Completed in 1633, St. Columns Cathedral was the first Anglican cathedral built after the Protestant Reformation. On the wall of the porch of St. Columns is the foundation stone of the building with the following inscription. If stones could speak, then London's praise should sound. Who built this church and city from the ground? And I want to take the title of uh, our study this morning from that foundation stone. So the title of my message this morning is, If Stones Could Speak. If Stones could speak. And we're wanting to think not so much this morning about the stones of St. Columns Cathedral, but uh, what we're after today is the stones of the New Jerusalem, because we're given a description of the stones in these two verses we have read from Revelation this morning. And uh, my prayer is that these stones will speak to us As we begin to study them today and over the weeks ahead, these 12 precious stones that form the foundation of the new Jerusalem, may these stones speak to our hearts. Maybe you thought, well, verses 19 and 20, they're the kind of verses that you just skip over. Big words, so why bother? Well, Don't worry, a lot of Christians do take that attitude, sadly. So you're not the only one if that's what you thought today. But um, I want to set the record straight today. I want to make it very clear that these verses are not to be glossed over just because of the big words and big names. Every word of God is pure, the book of Proverbs says. Every word... And that includes Revelation chapter 21, verses 19 and 20. These names of the precious stones, the gemstones in the foundation of the new Jerusalem. I believe that these stones will speak to us today and in the weeks to come. I believe that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to learn lessons about our heavenly home. About these stones. It's interesting to look at the word garnished there in verse 19. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. That word garnished, it's the Greek word cosmeo. Cosmeo. That probably doesn't mean much to you, but wonder, have you ever heard the word cosmetics? Cosmetics. That's That's where it comes from. The Greek word cosmeo gives us our English word, our English translation, cosmetics. Do you know what, it's, what this word, this Greek word is actually describing? A hairdresser. A hairdresser. It's the idea of someone who neatly arranges and orderly fixes. I don't have to worry about the hairdresser. But some of you uh, good folks, you'll be at the hairdresser or the barber and you've a wee bit more thatch than I have. Um, But when you go to the hairdresser or the barber, 
That's what they're good at. They're good at garnishing your hair or neatly arranging and fixing it in an orderly way. Our wonderful Savior, the one who said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's very good at garnishing heaven. He's very good at neatly arranging heaven and fixing it in an orderly way. You see, he's a God of order. He's a God of order. And he says in his word, let all things be done decently and in order. It's good to be organized. There's nothing as bad as a through other Christian. Doesn't, doesn't. It's not a good witness. But the Lord's organized and he does things in an orderly way and he does things to the best of his ability. It's not good, folks, just to say, oh, it'll do rightly. Definitely not when it comes to God's work. We need to do it well. There's a lovely verse at the end of Mark chapter 7 and somebody was describing the Lord Jesus and they said, he hath done all things well. He hath done all things well. And I tell you, he did all things well during his life. So, it's, so he, he continues to do all things well uh, in relation to our heavenly home. And he's been preparing it now for almost 2,000 years. So this must be some place. Remember last Sunday we talked about the size of it, the beauty of it. Why would you want to live here forever? Why would you want to hoard down here and to get attached to this earth and to earthly life? And why would you set your affection on things down here when you could set your affection on things above, the things that really matter? So here we have the Lord Jesus and he, he's putting in order, he's decorating, he's trimming, he's embellishing with beauty the new Jerusalem. And he beautifies the city with a generous sprinkling of precious stones. Today, for a few moments, I want us to come to the first stone that's mentioned here, Jasper. The jasper, we've been singing about the jasper already. Let's study it this morning, jasper. It really means clear as crystal. If you look there at at verses 10 and 11, it's describing a stone that's clear as crystal. Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Clear as crystal. Most commentators believe that this jasper stone, as it's called, is actually the diamond. John the Apostle is writing about a diamond here, actually. The heavenly city that he's describing has been built upon a foundation of diamonds. Wow. 
Better yet, it's actually one solid platform of diamond. So you've got this gigantic platform of diamond and then there's, there's, there's 11 other platforms beneath it. This is some foundation. This foundation isn't going to give way. You see, this foundation is built for eternity. And uh, that's all that really matters, folks. So be encouraged, brother or sister in Christ today, if the going is tough, if life is a big struggle at the present, and if you're getting opposition and intimidation from all angles, now just don't you worry because you're not here forever. And someday you're going to leave behind all the opposition and intimidation and you'll be with the Lord. And as uh, it was quoted on Friday night, I think, it will be worth it all when we see Christ, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race. Now bravely. We need to do it bravely in these days. And I tell you, as we get nearer to the second coming of Christ, we'll need to be even more brave to run the race and to take our stand for him. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus, when we go to our heavenly home, to the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, with this solid platform of diamond beneath our feet. Can you actually take it in today? You're not only going to be walking on a street of gold, but then beneath the street of gold, there's going to be a foundation of diamonds. Wow, it's enough to blow your mind. It's enough, if you're not saved today, it's enough to bring you to your knees to cry out, God be merciful to me, a sinner, and make me ready for this heavenly city. It's 1,500 miles, of course, long and wide and high. It's a a cube. Remember last Sunday we said it will be like living eternally in the Holy of Holies. We'll be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that we have never experienced before. There's times in the Christian life when the Lord does Flood your soul with joy. You'd love it to be all the time, but it's not all the time. But there's times when he just floods your soul with joy. But that is going to be nothing compared with the joy that will flood our souls whenever we arrive in heaven. To provide a diamond of this magnitude, you would have to be the creator of diamonds. The one who created the diamonds is the one who will put the diamond foundation in the new Jerusalem. But I want you to remember something about diamonds. Diamonds are formed in nature by being under constant pressure. They are formed in nature by being under constant pressure. I want to tell you, folks, I believe that we have a picture here of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the diamond of heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is heaven's diamond. 
I believe the jasper here or the diamond that John is referring to, I believe that this is a symbol of the Savior. This is a wonderful picture of him. The diamond of diamonds. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is our diamond. And for 33 years, he endured constant pressure. For 33 years, he was compressed mercilessly. And all so that we could be saved. He endured sorrow and agony and pain, not just on Calvary's cross, but throughout his life. You see, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. And because he lived such a spotless life, just like the jasper or the diamond, clear as crystal, because he lived such a life, Men hated him. His life was clear as crystal. There was no sin in in Christ. Oh, it's different for us because as we were singing earlier, my soul hath known her sinning. It's good to get to that point, by the way, because when your soul realizes it's, it's sinning when you begin to feel the, the plague of sin within your own heart. Then you, you're only too glad to trust in the Savior. You realize your need of him. But Jesus was different. Pilate could say, I find no fault in this man. God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Lord Jesus himself, even on one occasion, he said, I do always those things that please the Father. And he wasn't a boaster. He wasn't lying. He was telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He always did. I get worried if I hear Christians say that. I'd be very worried if I heard a believer say, I do always those things that please him. None of us always do those things that please him. But ah, think about the think about the diamond as he lived upon this earth for thirty-three years. And every day he was weaving the, the robe of righteousness for us, putting a stitch in it, stitch after stitch, moment after moment, day after day, sewing the garment of salvation for you and for me, and it's freely offered to us this morning if we haven't yet received it. Without it, you'll not be in heaven, by the way. Oh, don't you be thinking, ah, well, now it's good. The Lord, he, he uh, stitched the garment, but sure, I'll add a few stitches into it. No, I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. It's not a sort of a combination. It's not a team effort whereby the Lord Jesus, he lived a holy life and uh, he, put, he stitched part of the robe of righteousness. Then we come along, we grit our teeth and do our best and we stitch the rest. Give the Lord a wee helping hand. I don't want that kind of salvation. It's no good to me. It'll land me in hell. I need 
Something that Jesus has woven from start to finish. I need his righteousness. I need his holiness. If I'm ever to enter in through the pearly gates. And I'm glad I have his holiness today. For he is my holiness. And he is my righteousness. And John Bunyan said, I spoke to someone on Friday night. The conversation came round to righteousness. I just said to them, Do you ever hear what John Bunyan said? My righteousness is in heaven. My righteousness is in heaven. Oh, it's not in here in my heart. It's not in me. It's in heaven at God's right hand. It's the man at God's right hand. He's my righteousness. Oh, but sure, if you believe that, then you live any way you like. Load of rubbish. Lie of the devil. I've heard it from people. But it's not true. Whenever you know that Christ is your righteousness, you will want to live for him. You'll want to please him. You'll want to glorify him. You'll, you'll want to be surrendered to him and dedicated to him. As we thought about Enoch last Sunday night being dedicated. But I wonder, is this, does this mean anything to you today, folks? Do you, do you have the righteousness of Christ? Do you know the diamond of heaven as your saviour? Oh, think of it, what he went through for you. There's one occasion in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, the people said he's beside himself, this boy. They, you know what they said? They said that the Christ of God was, he was away in the head. He was mad, they said. There's a screw loose, sandwich short of a picnic. Then the next verse, the very next verse, they said he was demon-possessed. You know who... Who said the saviour was demon possessed? The religious people. The scribes said he was demon possessed. So whenever people call us names or criticise us. Don't worry. Just remember the saviour endured criticism too. Whenever people tell you child of God. You're not doing it right. You're doing it all wrong. Well she said that to the saviour. People are good at telling you how it should be done. Oh, then there was an occasion when they said, see this boy, Jesus of Nazareth, he's at Lutton. Matthew 11, he's at Lutton. It's too much. And then another occasion they said, he's a drunkard. He's a, the, the word the King James Bible uses is wine-bibber. Wine-bibber just means drunkard. He's a drunkard. Because he goes to the wedding at Cana of Galilee and he drinks wine. But of course they didn't realize or at least, or they, whether they realized it or not, the fact of the matter was it was non-alcoholic wine. You see, you see, the Lord Jesus wasn't a hermit. He wasn't a recluse. Some Christians think, oh, to be holy you have to cut yourself off from everybody. A load of rubbish. We're called to be the, the salt of the earth. You go home today for your Sunday roast. Not much good if the salt stays in the cellar. You need it on the parties. Or you'll need it on your roast beef or whatever. Now the Lord Jesus. Can you see him now? He's the diamond. And do you understand the pressure that he was under throughout his life? Do you understand how he's being compressed and crushed? And then he goes to Gethsemane. 
and the diamond is further crushed. And then on to Calvary. And the Lord hath led on him the iniquity of us all upon the diamond. So I want you to take heart if you are saved, if you're a child of God, you take heart if you feel that you're under constant pressure these days. If you feel that you're being compressed and crushed, I want to tell you that God is at work in your life. He has a purpose in what you're going through. You don't need to know the purpose. All you need to do is just trust him and commit it to him in prayer what you're going through. And leave it to him for he knows best. For he's the great stonemason of eternity.